0: this passage in Ephesians, and i it's, it really spoke to me. It's a little bit of a different translation, but you tell me if it aligns with what we're feeling here tonight. With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. What did I just tell you? The flesh likes confusion, doesn't it? They are hopelessly confused, and you start to feel this twinge of pity. Their minds are full of darkness. Oh, that's so sad. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him your bible says because of the ignorance that is in them because of the hardness of their hearts but they are the ones who have hardened their hearts and they are hopelessly confused the devil wants us hopelessly confused and whenever you feel that you need to pray and say god you told me to no longer walk as the gentiles walk But here I am, back in a Gentile mindset, being hopelessly confused. You're going to be confused by God only when you are competing with Him. Isn't that what happened at Babel? He confused them. Isn't that what the word Babylon means, confusion? When you feel that, that ambiguity, that paralysis of action. I shared at the New Year's Eve meeting the passage from Habakkuk 2 where he says, Write the vision and make it plain that they may run who read it. And I said that God says make it plain that they may run. Indicating that ambiguity creates immobility, paralysis of action. But if it becomes plain, people will start running. They'll take off. And that's what the devil doesn't want. But God says make it plain that they may run. The devil will throw any kind of confusion, any kind of fog, any kind of smokescreen over the simplicity of God's will in order to paralyze your action. In order to lock you into the place where you are. That's what He wants. He doesn't want you to change. He wants to consign you to the place you are right now. So the devil loves confusion and God hates it. He blows it out of the out of the air. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Why does he connect the word to our feet? Because the word always shines a light on the next step to take. The word does not satisfy the person with their feet up in their recliner. The word illuminates another step to take. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. He said, in your light, O God, we see light. Seems like an obvious statement, doesn't it? No, because he's speaking of the light as the Word. In your Word, that is a lamp and a light, we see light. We see where we ought to be going. Amen. Make it plain that they may run. In the 14th chapter, 1 Corinthians, Paul said, if I come with unfamiliar speech or with an unknown tongue, It's not going to edify or help anybody. He says, musical instruments must play distinct notes. And he said, if if they do not sound a clear and distinct note, who will prepare for battle? To hear God's word clearly is to prepare for battle. To hear God's word clearly is to be set in motion. The devil wants you frustrated. He wants you agitated. He wants you restless. But he doesn't want you to see God's plain Word. He doesn't want a straight path for your feet so that this lame army of scaredy cats would turn into a healed regiment of of God's honor. Amen. He doesn't want that. He wants you in that fog. Paul says, for this reason it says, Awake, you sleeper. Arise from the dead and God will shine on you. Indicating that one of the things that creates confusion is disengagement and unconsciousness, also called sleep. Normally people wait for the sun to rise, and when it does, it gets them out of bed, right? But in this case, he says, get out of bed and the sun will come up. The Son of Righteousness is not going to rise with healing in His wings until you get out of that place where you are, that place of unconsciousness, that place of confusion. Awake, you sleeper. Get up out of your bed. Rise from the dead. And what's the the outcome? Christ will turn His light on for you. You're going to know what you should do. Amen. This is a time of upheaval. This is a time of uncertainty. But it is not a time of confusion for those who are walking in the light. See to it that this day does not take you unawares. We're told that he's going to come like a thief in the night, but then Paul says, don't let it be this way for you. And Jesus said, if they had known, if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would have been up and prepared. He would have readied himself. Same feeling as go out and stand on the rampart and see what I'm going to speak to you. He would have been ready for it. God's changes creep up on people like a thief in the night, but it shouldn't be so for those walking in the spirit and walking by faith. Because we should have heard the message that says awake you sleeper, Get out of your bed and God will shine on you. Lord, what is the confusion that might persist in the minds of your people here tonight? What is the confusion? Somebody give me a basic etymology of that English word, confusion. What is the root of the word? Confuse. It sounds like fuse is the root, doesn't it? To mix. To confuse something is to mix something, to combine things that don't go together. So, what is the confusion of Babylon? What is the confusion that causes paralysis? What are the two things being combined that don't go together? This brother says the church and the world. Can we agree with that? Give us some more examples the the spirit and the carnal mind. I agree with that. How about this one? Accurate facts in a false narrative. Can you think of that? Is that possible that you could situate true facts in a false narrative? You know, I want to I talk about this confusion because I think we all battle it on different levels. I think if this crisis that we're going through, and I re- refer to this COVID i think if it does one thing it reveals the confusion that we can all become subject to the confusion of self-deception and the pharisees lived in this and they didn't know that they were confused jesus said to them because you say we see your blindness remains your sin remains but if you knew you were blind you would have no sin To acknowledge that I don't see it is at least opening the possibility that I'm going to see it. Because the God who said, what do you see, may ask me that. And I'll tell him, I see facts like narratives walking. (laughs) And he'll pray for me again. (laughs) And I'll get something that's accurate. But it's in this illusion that we see that we, we have a sin, the sin of pride and the sin of confusion so I've seen some fusion I've seen people try to take their own inclinations and merge them into a course of action and merge that into the will of God and come out with a mess self deception is not rebellion and rebellion is not self deception Rebellion is when I know what to do. I see what I ought to do, and I decide against it. Self-deception is when I think I know what to do, and I'm sure I'm doing it. Self-deception is not saying, you know what, who cares? I'm going to do it anyway. It's saying, oh, Lord, I am obeying you. I am hearing. I am applying this. But we don't see how our effort is confused. It is fused with other elements. In John 5, Jesus said, He said, As I hear, I speak, and my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. In making an evaluation, To know whether something is true or false. Can you make an accurate or just judgment when your will is still on the scales? What was his prayer in the garden when he was making an evaluation and a decision about the cost he would or wouldn't make? What was his prayer? Nevertheless, Not my will, but thy will be done. As I hear, I speak, and my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will. If you do seek your own will, your assessment of the matter is not accurate. You just picture the scales trying to come to a decision, and then you picture adding the lead weights of your opinions of your feelings, of your desires, of your fears on those scales, and then trying to get an accurate reading on what ought to be done. It cannot happen. We've seen it with this coronavirus. Anybody who denied that the left is trying to use this as a weapon to advance toward totalitarianism would have to be blind. Anybody who denied that there has been some tampering and falsification and confusing of facts to support a scary narrative, they'd be blind to deny that. We all know that 94% who have died had comorbidities, right? So these are facts. We all know that it, it's a pain, it's a difficulty, it's a strain on our businesses, on our fellowship in the Spirit on all these things. Those are all facts. And if I pile them on one side of the scale and ask myself, what is the prudent course of action for me, can I get an accurate judgment on that matter? No, I cannot. I cannot because I am taking things that are true but that have emotional significance to my will i've given the analogy recently if if i go to brother if i go to the cunningham brothers and i say uh, could you check my car and they give me a report and they say your transmission is almost out it's on its last leg if you let us replace it now it'll be 1800 dollars. but if you wait till this breaks or whatever it's going to be 3300 dollars. we're gonna have to replace the whole thing well, when I go to make that decision, I, I'm going to say, Well, it's hard for me to make that payment. I need to spend that money on something else. And so I'm going to delay. And then I'm going to be driving down the road with my wife, and all of a sudden I'm going to hear this ka clunk, ka clunk, ka clunk, ka clunk. And my wife is going to go, oh, Honey, the transmission is out. Now I want to ask you, what is it inside of me that's going to say, Oh, no, no, I think that's just a loose bolt? I can fix it easily. Why am I predisposed to categorize a problem where all the indicators are bad? Why am I predisposed to say, oh no, it's just a loose bolt. I can fix it. Because I don't want, in my subconscious mind, my subconscious mind prevents me from contemplating a cost I think I can't afford. And my judgment of whether that's the transmission or a loose bolt is it just? Is it accurate? No, it's not. In fact, if there was somebody else in the car who didn't have to pay the bill, would they have the same difficulty as me diagnosing the problem? Have you ever seen other people's problem and it was like, that is oh so obvious? Jesus called it removing the beam from your eye. But the speck seems so obvious. I mean, you're a unicorn with a timber frame poking out of your eye. He calls his a splinter and mine a beam, so I'm doing like this, and yet all I can see is that splinter because it's so obvious when it's in somebody else's eye. It's like when the kids have a splinter and daddy's going to get it out. They hide the splinter from me because they know I'm going to get it out. And they don't have the courage to face that. Oh, no, I don't think so. I don't think it's a splinter, Daddy. I don't think so. No, 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 it's not. They don't want to endure the hardship, the difficulty of that extraction. You hear it all the time. A dozen times a week, these little foolish rationalizations that we tell ourselves... I'm so familiar with that desire. You know, it's like, yeah, we're going to get past this. But that's not empowering. That's deluding. That's confusing. That's paralyzing action that is inevitable, that needs to happen, that needs to commence immediately. And you can do the same thing with the virus, but that just shows one example because I'm actually not talking about the virus I'm talking about how the devil has a foothold in your thinking, in your obedience, compromising it, diminishing it, derailing it, confusing you, frustrating you, stalling God's plan. And it all happens through the confidence of the carnal mind and failing to make a complete sacrifice of your will, your perspective, your wants before you go to find out what is really happening in this situation. Paul said something that's often quoted. He said, Offer yourself as a complete sacrifice. Then the lights will turn on. Then you will know what God's good and acceptable and pleasing will is. Brothers and sisters, we need to learn to doubt ourselves and trust God, placing no confidence in the flesh. We need to see that that is a a road to confusion, to breakdown, to failure, and ultimately to death. There is a way that seems right to a man, and the end thereof is the way of death. You know, your flesh... And your spirit have different resonance frequencies. Has anybody in here ever experienced resonance with an instrument or in life in general, but specifically an instrument? When you strum that guitar, give that a strum, Brother Gabe. Just give that, that guitar a strum. See, his his hand was off for 90% of the sound you heard because the wood, front and back, the spruce, it is very responsive to the frequency that those strings, the sound frequency those strings create. There are times where you can be next to one of those big cymbals and a loud noise makes them... mm -hmm. Now, if this was exactly the same shape, exactly the same color, exactly the same thickness, exactly the same brand, but if these materials, if it was not spruce, but let's say, I don't know, some kind of hardy board, cement, how would that work, Andrew? I mean, it could be painted to look just the same. When God speaks to us, there's some spruce of a new man inside of you, and when God speaks, there's a resonance that takes place. Something goes, whoa, 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 whoa. And our hearts bear witness. our spirits bear witness that we are sons of God. Did not our hearts burn within us, resonate within us? Amen? Do you know that sound? Do you know that feeling? when the Lord is speaking to you? Well, here's the problem. You've got two instruments inside of you. You've got one instrument that is the new nature, made in the likeness of God, born of the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. Amen. And when the, the Lord is speaking, that new man resonates. That new man oh, responds and reverberates And echoes and says yes to God. But there's another instrument in you, and it resonates to an entirely different frequency. Your flesh also feels resonance. When a politician is speaking, and you see a demonic anointing come upon them, and they start talking about the messianic causes for the nation. And you see people going crazy. I mean, they're just animated and beside themselves. Oh, yes, yes. And people on the other side are going, that is the saddest, most horrifying thing I've ever heard. What's going on? He's striking a chord. You ever heard that term? Boy, that really struck a chord. There are people who are anointed. There are people who are gifted to strike a chord. With the wrong thing inside of you. Hitler struck a chord, trust me. Have you ever seen his rallies? You ever seen the masses crying out, animated, beside themselves? Sure, a majority of Germans may have rejected it, but a terrifying number resonated with it. And that resonance was not the resonance of a child of God. It was something else entirely. Do you know the difference between the resonance of the flesh and the resonance of the Spirit? Because you can be around people. Maybe they're just joking and laughing, making little remarks. Maybe it's about this crisis. Maybe it's about something else. And the instrument on this side of you goes wah, 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 wah. You do that enough you're going to start adopting a narrative. You're going to start getting sucked into a story that is not his story. Amen. It's a lie. There's something greedy in you. There's something in you that hates authority. There's something cowardly in you. There's something brutal in you. And the devil can send people who say things that just agree perfectly. There's something selfish and vicious in you. How do you think Absalom got all Israel to go with him? It says all Israel went with Absalom. How did that happen? I'll tell you right now. He resonated with them. He spoke things that made their instrument. And you better know what that something is. You better have that identified, and you know that better know the difference between the sound of God's violin and the devil's steel guitar. And you better, whenever you hear it, you better stop and say no. Because the resonance of the flesh is dissonance to the spirit and vice versa. And the carnal minds, the arrogant minds, the minds who think, oh, just give me the facts, they're going to be deceived because truth is a spirit. The sword of the Spirit, which is what? The words I speak, Jesus said, are, I'm telling you right now, all truth is a spirit, even the truth that is actually a lie. The devil tells a truth. It's a narrative. It's a spirit. It's a spirit. There's a spirit of independence that plays your strings, and it resonates with your flesh. There's a spirit of Hatred toward authority that twangs and tunes your instrument, and we have got to, we have got to tune our hearts to sing His praise. Isn't that what the hymn writer said? Tune my heart to sing Thy praise. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, O oh, take and seal it. Seal it for Thy courts above. Young people, middle-aged people, old people, are we still tuned to hear God? Or have we tuned into something else? Have we tuned into the left or right narrative in the world? Amen. Have we? Have we tuned in to the information channels of the world? What are you tuned into? Are you just in tune With your own carnal desires, hallelujah. What we've got to do is get past that. Amen. I I want to unstring, defret the instrument of the flesh. You know, the devil can appear as an angel of shining light. He has a certain kind of illumination where you see through somebody, where judgment and criticism take over, and you see it how it ought to be seen. That's the devil's kind of light, and it can be most blinding. Oh, Lord, I want to die to it. Lord, I want to crucify. I want to make a sacrifice of everything in me that would try to weight those scales. I want my judgment to be just because I don't seek my own will but the will of him who sent me. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, let all bitterness and wrath and clamor be departed from me. Amen. I want to tune in to the voice of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, I want to tighten up the strings of my spiritual man. I want to learn to resonate with the things of God. I want to learn to resonate with the truth. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and a voice of a stranger they will not follow. I feel it, God. Amen. Silence every other voice. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, God.